You are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 170. Side B, boys! One more time with feeling. talk about shit you loved yesterday or didn't even know existed or yeah. didn't yeah. even know existed because damn this movie's hard to find <laughs> yeah my name is wiggett and i'm joined by tea time and earl gray that is both me that again yep or it can be both be you this time now yeah. did, did you did you notice what i did with the names i i did uh, all British things. Still said wicked. Oh, did I say wicked? You said wicked this time. Shit, I'm yeah. wicker. Wicker. Was it British things or what? No, I, I changed the names of the Ewoks to other things. Oh. Uh, so Tebow and Wicket, right? Uh huh. Earl Grey is uh, not Chief Chirpa. No. Low Grey. Low Grey. Ah, there we go. Yeah, I got a good this, one for next week. This is a side B episode, and we are going to talk about the 1984 made-for-TV movie "Caravan of Courage: An Ewok Adventure." And of course, we'll answer our "Give Me Five Question of the Week." Proof that uh, stuff that is Star Wars can also be boring. <laughs> This is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. We will try to avoid any major twists, but they will be spoilers for a crappy made-for-TV movie. And, and let's face it, you won't be able to find it to watch it anyway. Well, that may or may not be true. So if we are talking about something that you haven't seen, read, listened to, or didn't even know existed yet then you use your own discretion. So let me start off here by saying I am not anti-Ewok. Nor am I. I don't think anybody uh, is. There, there are people. There are these Star Wars purists that seem to forget that it's, you know, an adventure, a space romp for children that were very upset. Like, you know, an Ewok could not provide the amount of pressure that could penetrate a Stormtrooper helmet with a spear. Like, there, there's those people. Um... This podcast is not for you. And yet, they're okay with hyperspeed. And, yeah, lasers. And, you know, just being able to fly around in space like that. But, um... Shut up, nerds! <laughs> so this, uh... I, I got a little add-on about what a pleasant viewing experience this was. Did you watch it with your boy? No, I watched it with you. I, well, I didn't know if he was there. Well, okay, so the the viewing experience, we, we did find out that it is on YouTube. So we were able to watch it via YouTube, and we kind of did a watch it all at the same time situation. But 
I uh, have slowly been amassing the ability to watch movies outside. For Halloween, I got a projector. Uh, the uh, Amazon... A Halloween gift? Uh, well, I wanted to project ghosts in my house, and I usually borrow it from work, but I wasn't about to Just go to work. Just build it on top of a Native American burial ground. <laughs> Could have done that. But I only want them there on Halloween. All the goats. Yeah. Just tell them to get out and come back on Halloween. You just moved the headstones! <laughs> yeah, it wasn't going to work that way. Uh, so anyway, it was I got the projector, I got a screen on like Amazon Prime Day, I finally was and I finally was like, okay, let's see if this actually works. And it did, so we watched it outside on the patio. Uh, it was really, really nice uh, experience. We, of course, watched it with one of our listeners, and that's Scott, and he, uh, we had a little chat room going, and we were able to chat and make fun of the movie. My boy was even able to chime in for a little while when he wasn't being told it was you know ten o'clock at night on a Sunday, and he should probably go to bed. Hmm. But um, you know, he was he was getting into the mystery science theater vibe as well, so it was it was a pleasant viewing experience. And that is another perk of being a patron. Yeah. Exactly. Because there will be times where you might be able to watch the movie with us. Yeah. That being said, you have to actually own the movie. We can't play the movie for you. You have to have access to Amazon Prime or something that you're paying for. Because there's copyright situations that we cannot actually play anything for you guys. But you'll be able to chat with us, and that's fun in itself. Yeah. Okay, so let's... Uh, I saw Blair Witch with um, the Museum of Pop Culture. It's just like, all right, everybody hit play. So, good stuff. So let's, uh, what is this movie about? I actually don't know, so tell me. So, like I said, the movie is called Caravan of Courage, an Ewok Adventure. It was released November 25th, 1984. Directed by John Cordy. And it stars Eric Walker, Warwick Davis, reprising his role as Wicket. Fionula Flanagan. Guy Boyd, Aubrey Miller, Burl Ives as the narrator, Daniel Fishman, Debbie Lee Carrington, Tony Cox. I didn't realize Tony Cox was in this. Oh, gee, I wonder what he played. <laughs> Kevin uh, Thompson, Margarita Farrell, Pam Grizz, and Bobby Bell. And the synopsis is, the Tawani family's civilian shuttlecraft crashes on the forest moon of Endor. The four Tawanis are separated, Jermit and Katarin, the mother and father, are captured by the giant Gorax, and Mason Sindel, the son and daughter, are missing when they are captured. The kids meet the Ewoks, and eventually the four-year-old Sindel is able to convince the teenage Mace that the Ewoks are nice. Then the Ewoks and Tawanis go on an adventure to find the elder Tawanis. To find their parents. Yeah. Usually a synopsis is about is supposed to tell me a bunch of stuff that makes me want to see the movie. Yeah. That was a little... A, a little broad, first of all. Second of all, it makes it seem like the whole point of this whole thing was the four-year-old trying to convince the brother. So, so Greg, <laughs> the synopsis of this movie is two kids and Ewoks go on an adventure to save their parents. How about that? I would see that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, man. I don't need all this other stuff. These, uh, these notes on our, our list are really funny. <laughs> what are you looking at the the notes? I'm looking or... at the initial thoughts from Rob. So oh. I want to know what you thought of when you <laughs> when did you first see this movie? 
I I saw this when it was aired on television in 1984. So you were like four or five years I old. I was seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah, and you seven. really liked it? I, so I had far fonder memories of this movie mm-hmm. than, than the movie actually warranted. Right, that's far more than me. I didn't know this existed. Right. Well, I was, I was seven when it came out. So it was Ewoks. I was still into Star Wars. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, my parents might have been like, God, this sucks. What is this? So some things that I've noticed is that Mace is kind of annoying and spoiled, and he's always getting in trouble. He's sticking his hands in places that he shouldn't be sticking his hands. He's touching shit he shouldn't be touching. You know, like a kid when you go to the supermarket. Sorry. What's that? I had that problem at college. Like that kid when you go to the supermarket who wants to touch everything on the shelves and be like, mommy, can I have this? Mommy, 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 can their, I have this? You got their mask like halfway down and they're like walking past the shelves and <laughs> walking through your legs. You're like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. You don't hold it, your and, children. And everyone in this movie is far too trusting. And then, of course, I, I was curious what what the actual deal with the water was because are like all ponds on Endor like that? Was this pond cursed? I mean, they didn't really touch on that. It was, it was just, it was just a magic pond and it almost killed him. So that, that would be really crappy if somebody wanted a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Most of all, what the hell were those feather headdresses for? They had three colors and I have no idea what they did. Yeah. So these are things we have to revisit at some point. They're like, here are these feather headdresses. You should wear them. Why? Why? The Ewoks are having field day and everyone has to pick their color. That's what it is. Oh my god. For the beanbag toss, they need to know. For the egg run thing, they need to know. Uh, My thought, it always brings me back to that weird era of basically uh, 1984 until 1991. Six or so, when Star Wars. Were just... born in 1984. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Uh, this. Let's see. This was. Uh, yeah, I was a few months old when this came out. Yeah. So maybe you did see it. Um, all of that time period from '84 until the they re-released the original Star Wars movies, where Star Wars was kind of just gone. Yeah. It was. You had local video stores where, yeah, you could get to the movie. Sometimes it was played on TV. But it just kind of disappeared. You know, the only stuff you would run into with Star Wars is like if an older brother or something like that passed down the toys or a neighbor or something. Because it just kind of disappeared. Periodically, they would re-release the, the movies on video. Yep. And then, of course, they did the prequels and all of that stuff. So it reminded me of that era and just the the fact that I think I would have been extraordinarily excited back in that era to see something like this, but with everything we have now, it was like, oh, wow, this was, you know, a generic version of the stuff that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that was really my initial thought of this. Although I did, even though I did not know it existed, I absolutely remember the little blonde girl with that, that headdress thing. I'd seen that somewhere else before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was in some Star Wars book or something. Doll. Like I was aware of that character, but I had no idea what it was from. Actually, to be honest, I thought it was from that that um, Christmas Star Wars adventure thing. That the Christmas special? Watched. Yeah, which is also awful. Um, yeah. So that, that would be my initial thoughts. There was a doll baby that was dressed exactly like her. 
It's like Rainbow Starbright or some shit. <laughs> so, so Jimmy, your initial thought is uh, anger and rage, right? The kid was annoying shit. Which kid? Which kid? Mace. Okay. The boy. I didn't so much mind the little girl. I thought she was, you know, um, four. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was For a boy girl. She actually held her own. It was a little kid, these little cute teddy bear things that were trying to help her. She was sick for some reason. But the kid, he was just yelling all the time. And and he was doing that, like, it's almost like the scene from Troll 2. They're eating her, and then they're going to eat me. Oh, oh my god. god. That's the only thing. So like a like a script read through at a table reading without any emotion whatsoever. Exactly, and the parts where he was supposed to be upset or where he was supposed to be, you know, hey sis, like there was just no emotion to it. It was just reading through and and doing what he was supposed, you know, being where he was supposed to and looking at what he was supposed to, not emoting at all. He's just annoying. I. I there's maybe some psychology at play about dressing him up like a like a a a, a rebel fighter pilot. Maybe trying to like cast someone that kind of look like Luke Skywalker, but he looked just like Luke Skywalker with an even worse haircut. Uh, looks like some kid that was dressed as Luke Skywalker in like Halloween nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, I wrote yeah. in in this 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 uh this note I'm really proud of because he was totally ungrateful for most of the movie. The Ewoks trying to help. He, I I wrote um ungrateful ass. Mace is one of the most unlikable children ever. Stu- stupid haircut, have an ass. <laughs> um, Angry Jimmy. Yeah, and and there are more things that we'll talk about, like the pond. I wrote uh Luke Turdwalker. Is, is I believe the the name I came up for Mace. That's and, funny. Uh, I gave him the name uh, uh, Duke Space Runner. <laughs> Duke Space Runner, nice. And if you guys are, are just hearing about was, the movie for the first, that was the time, name I used on the last one on the last episode I did. What Duke Space Runner? Yeah. Damn, Greg, stealing other people's material. Where did you use that? I want I want to recount Ooh. when I when I introduced us when we did the Star Wars knockoffs. Mm. Ah, did I? I'll, I'll go back and look at the notes. Maybe right. I accidentally plagiarized. Carlos Mencia up in here. Um, and if if you've never seen this movie, and this is just kind of the last thing I'll say about my, my initial thoughts, if you are going to watch this, uh, if you want to make a drinking game out of this movie, take a shot every time Wicket licks his teeth. Sure. <laughs> that shit made me so uncomfortable. So... There you go. It's like watching a movie with me called Spies Like Us and going, Reagan. I mean, yeah, but a lot more uncomfortable. I'm like, he did use Duke Space Runner. Wow. I accidentally stole from Rob. Damn. That's messed Told up. You. And Dan Duo. Yeah, I did steal that one. And Jubaka. Yep. All right. Well, that's what happens. So, uh,. This here movie, uh, budgetarily hindered, which is obvious. Uh, yeah, I mean, the creature effects were okay. They They're, weren't. They were stop motion, very stop motion. 
well, but so was a lot of the stuff, you know, in in Star Wars. So yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the same character effects and VFX artists worked on this. And it uh I I guess for a TV movie at that time it couldn't have been that bad. No, it, it, for the time it wasn't horrendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they and they actually did a decent for the time they actually did a decent job with the difference in size between the Gorax and the people. Mhm. Did uh like the the they really had to hint at a lot of like the space effects. You know like you saw the ship crash. Did you see the ship actually crash? I don't think you did. No. It kind of starts off with it already crashed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so they got away with the you know, budgetary things like that where they had extra parts lying around Skywalker Ranch and they just decided to like pile it. Um Yeah, well, it, I saw something that said that he made the uh, the space cruiser out of like leftover parts and like two wings from a snow speeder. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Which I actually like that and a little bit of information more than most of the movie. Hmm. Um, they, of course, this is a very Ewok heavy uh, thing movie and you definitely saw some of the limitations of the Ewok costumes back then. There were a few that were downright terrifying. Oh man. Oh, yeah. oh god. Dead Ewok eyes. My son actually when he was watching he was like that orange one's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> or um another I don't know why I focused on their teeth so much, but when they were when they were talking um their their mouth holes were very clearly uh very stiff. No. Well, yes, but they would, I can't even, I'm, I'm like going to try and do it, but you could tell that if you took your hand and pressed it up against their face, like their teeth would go back. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The teeth, the, the mouths were just kind of pulsating when it, it just I never really focused, because these were the same damn costumes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. When the Sorry, DVD was released, you know they went and digitally added eyelids and stuff, right? That a Jedi? No, the Ewok. DVD of this movie. When the DVD of this movie was released, oh. they went in and digitally added eyelids. Oh, oh. I hope that's as good as the, uh, the the TV version of Showgirls. What are they digitally added there? Clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't remember that. Paint. Yeah. I just have this, the when you were pressing gently on the Ewok faces and talking about that, I just have this, like, idea of you pressing lovingly on the face of an Ewok, like, you complete me. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. reaching out. Oh, yeah, my reaching out. Love. <laughs> Press <laughs> on their face. Doing, like, some pottery. Yeah, like, pulling their, their Ewok faces closer to him as his tongue extends out of his mouth. Oh That's what I was God. We could do plenty of that himself. <laughs> Yep. Oh, making his damn teeth all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they 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 land. Uh, we, uh, I'm pretty sure that Ewoks are carnivorous creatures because they were going to eat Han Solo and everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt in my mind that they wouldn't have seen these two children and been like, "Sweet, we're going to have another one of those Ewok parties." And we're just going to chow down on these children, and the movie would have been three minutes long. The porg are saved for another day. Exactly. As the as the little girl screams in terror as she is roasted alive on a stick. But no, they they have a kind heart for carnivorous little bears. 
and they murder bears, murder bears, and they uh, decide to help, even though the the boy, the brother, is like, yeah. brandishing his laser blaster at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're nice. As he gets a spear through his gut. <laughs> um, they do. Uh, as far as I remember, on this, it's not that I don't remember this movie. It's more the fact that like a lot of the actions in the movie didn't make sense. They leave the village first before leaving with everybody, correct? And then they get caught up in a uh, they get attacked by a creature. A was that what did I call it? A boar or something? Which was actually the name of it? A boar wolf or a wolf boar? Oh yeah. And uh, I was uh, I was actually I somehow figured out the actual name. Good job. Um, nice. Yeah. This movie had so many continuity errors. Yep. Yep. So many. I think it was probably edited out of order or something. Like yes, like, no, it started right. off at nighttime and it's daytime by the end of the them being well, attacked by the wolf boar. No, I, I yeah. And and I think I think Rob just, you know, really hit the nail on the head. There are scenes where Hugh Turdbucket is um he's like really sweaty in one scene and then he's not. Mm-hmm. Or his his hair is kind of sweaty and kind of matted to the side, and then he's not. And uh, yeah, they filmed stuff at one time and another, and nobody nobody had that job. I guess there's a scene where they're they're running into a a, a cave, and the mace has his gun out, and then it cuts away to him, and he pulls his gun out. Stuff yep, like yep. that, and, and that stuff I don't really ever notice, care to notice, I guess. But with this one, it just that from that first instance, it's like, nope, it just in my head just he's I, like, nope, I hate it. Tearing, I hate it. well, I hate, I hated the kid, I hated Mace. Love the Ewoks. Ewoks are amazing. I thought the character effects were okay. Um, but it was made in 84, so I mean, right. given what they were working with, the character effects were fine, I thought. Yeah, but the, just the kid, man, I wanted to... I I wish they left him in that pond. <laughs> that magic <laughs> pond. pond up in the tree. So, let's, let's... I don't remember when the tree thing happened. Was that when they decided to leave? Is that when the tree thing happened, or was that... Um, Batsman... The, the the fucking the big Ewok chopped the tree down. Okay, is that what you're talking about? They well, leave the village. They decide. They, they, they get brought back to the village thing. after they almost get themselves killed by the big wolf thing. Oh yeah, because Mace. Well, let's go fucking wander off again. Yeah, they come back. You meet a new Ewok writer on then, and his he's got like a chest piece that makes him look like he's like Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, the the woodcutter Ewok or whatever yeah. the hell he is, the hunter. Yeah. Or as I, I refer to him as Ewok Sergeant Pepper, uh, they decide to. That's what, okay. They decide to get a, on a caravan to Mom to go visit their parents or go find their parents, and at which point, douchebag McGee gets his arm stuck. Good. There's you you should have chopped it off. <laughs> Roll Fizzle Beef. <laughs> Roll Fizzle Beef. That's his he name. Gets his arm stuck in a tree, <laughs> and. uh, 
like yeah like you have to believe these ewoks are like look we're we're the primitive bear creatures but you, you need dumb. to stop wandering off dumbass <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, because you're every turn he was doing some stupid shit that was putting everybody in danger or trying to kill himself i mean he was like a two-year-old you know i mean when you have a brand new two-year-old who's just learning how to walk i'm convinced that all two-year-olds are attempting to kill themselves this is true because they're walking into shit they they would walk down the stairs if they could they just like, oh, what is this? Let me put it in my mouth. You're like, no, give me that battery. I mean, I kind of do that. So. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm well, my child first learned to like not quite crawl, not quite crawl, but right before that crawling section, mm-hmm. I stepped away from like the area in front of the TV mm-hmm. to go to the kitchen. I came back and he was gone. Like, dude, you can't move. Where are you? He had he had somehow managed to get stuck underneath the couch. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, where the hell is he? And then I look, oh, and I can see like half of his little body like stuck under the couch. I'm like, what is <laughs> cool. <laughs> so food under there. Yeah. So we got. Uh, Do you have any food? Eat, eat, eat. Food, eat. eat. <laughs> <laughs> he was so annoyed. Ugh. And then he's like, I want a drink. Now, I think the next, the next sequence that stands out to me, of course, is our magic water sequence, which we've mm-hmm. talked about a couple times here. The boy wanders off. He's never seen this. Looks into the water. Before. Looks into the water. I guess sees his reflection for the first time. There's going to be another uh, six weeks of intergalactic winter. But all of a sudden, he's underwater. Nice. He touches the water, and the water, like, sucks him in and pulls him under the water. And then he can't get out. There's, like, a magic barrier keeping him from getting out. So it's trying to drown him. And every time they try to stick something in the water for him to grab, it disintegrates. I still have not figured out that sequence. Just it- Well, that's why, that's why Wicket was given the stick. Wicket got the magic stick because the Elder knew that this dumbass was going to go end up under the water. Picture <laughs> as like an un or like an uncut version of this movie is the elder taking wicked aside and pointing at the kid like <laughs> yeah, dumbass. He was supposed to beat him to death with this. <laughs> That's what the stick was for. <laughs> if he wanders off again. But, but they never really explained the whole water thing. I mean, it was just a magic pond that Sucked anything that touched it underneath the waters. Literally like every other shallow pond on the planet. Yeah. It's like, what? What? Why? There's literally nothing different about this pond than that one over there. Why is this one sucking people under? And they just kind of glossed over it. They're like, okay, he's out. Let's go. I was like, wait, what? They also run into a bunch of fairies, which were actually kind of cool. Um, did you did you notice anything about the fairies? Well, my child immediately screamed out, Twinkerbell, which I thought was adorable. <laughs> that is adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Super adorable. We've seen, or more accurately, heard those fairies before. Oh, yes. I, I did notice this, so I'm going to let Jimmy take this one. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for that thing i have no idea what you're talking about. The, sound, the sound effect is the, the fairies the sound, were used in another movie the sound effect for the fairies was the exact same sound effect that was used for the fairies in the movie willow 
they reused the actual sound effect for the fairies in Willow. They reused, which was an actual recording of real fairies, by the way. It was. That's why they couldn't. That's why they had to reuse it. They couldn't get the sound effect again. It was hard. They built like a shopping center over the fairy swamp. Um. So yeah, there's a little fairy sequence, which and a lot of these things do come back to play later. Where you, you you know, they you do end up seeing some of these creatures that they capture and or use. And, and then they murdered the fairies. Well, yeah. Yeah, they use it with a they wait, they sucked them on with a gem, right? No, they sucked them into the candle and burned them up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a candle that this gathered is the a fairies. great candle. It doesn't burn down. And the candle did absolutely nothing else. It's like all of these things were very specific and would only be useful in these very specific circumstances. And they, then there was the feather headdresses. Yeah, which we have no idea what those were all about. I, I, I what, don't know. what this what, what this means is that they had a couple days to go into the prop room and find stuff that looks like it might have worked in this movie. And they grabbed it and had to make a story based on the items they had. Um, exactly. Let's see. What, what else did I write here? I wrote uh, that this movie is aggressively simple. <laughs> or maybe I wrote that the kid was aggressively simple. I'm not sure. Well, um, he was aggressive and simple. Yeah. But, but the movie was really kind of plug and play. It was, you know, we've got a quest. We go on a quest. We we take the, we go on the trail to the quest. Some stuff happens on the quest, but we save somebody. Somebody's endangered. We save them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mace is endangered 16 times. We save him each time. There's and a giant spider. There's always a giant spider. There's a giant spider. And then we get to the end and there's a giant and we have to fight the giant and save the the fairy harp or save the girlfriend or save the parents or save the golden goose or whatever the hell it is you're saying. Like we could actually do a top five right now while Jamie's gone. Let's just do it. The giant, sp- famous giant spiders. Shelob. Uh, Shelob is number one. We're doing famous giant spiders. Top five right now on the fly. Uh, number two has got to be the one from uh, Mandalorian. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Um, I'm picturing another one that is, Puppet. I can't remember what movie it's from. It's a puppet. Um, oh, how about Aragog? Yeah, Aragog. Aragog's number two now. It has to because we actually know the name of that one, and it's been in more than one thing. So Aragog from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be a black and white one. Charlotte. Well, Charlotte's not a giant spider because I thought of Charlotte too. Eight-legged freaks. Eight-legged the- freaks have giant spiders. The the spiders from the Lord of the Rings. Shellob. No, no, no. We already said Shellob, but the one that, from from the um from the Hobbit movie. When they were in the forest. So that, that? yeah, they're just giant spiders, I think, right? Yeah. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Dark Crystal had a giant spiders. That's probably the puppet one I'm thinking of. Gartham. Yeah. Clash of the Titans as well. Well, those are um, more scorpions, so Oh, the other big one, King Kong. There we go. So we got it. Uh, our our yep. top five giant spiders that we just randomly did because Jimmy stepped away from the computer. Uh, Shellub, uh, Aragog, uh, Dark Crystal One, uh, and uh, King Kong. There we go. Okay. Um, moving on, we have this uh, kid. We let's we talked about the giant spider. Let's talk about the actual villain that kidnapped the parents, the Gorax. The only thing I wrote down about the Gorax. 
it has a nipple. Fee five full. I still don't know what he was doing. Was he going to grind their bones to make his bread? I don't. I mean, he had them in a cage like canaries. Which was a ridiculous sequence that all of us figured out the big problem with that sequence right off the bat. Yeah, because the cage was too big. The the bars weren't holding anything. The only thing that was keeping them in there was the fact that it was high That's off deep. the ground. Yeah. And it wasn't well, all that high. Didn't they use a rope from the cage? Yes. Like, they yeah. dropped the rope down, right? They didn't throw yeah, The rope, rope was already down. in the cage. Yeah. They, they catapulted up. So basically, they, they captured themselves. The kids did. They found their parents in a cage above the ground. They used an axe as a catapult, which physically wouldn't have happened. Launched themselves into the cage and climbed into the cage. And then dropped a rope. And then dropped a rope down. Whereas they could have just had their parents drop the rope down, held the rope at the bottom, and let their parents climb out. Yeah. It was very obvious that to everyone watching immediately that that was a problem, which as filmmakers, you never really want to have happen. <laughs> you have to find a, if, if everyone that sees it can realize this is a problem, this is stupid. You want to change the everything. I really don't think they were thinking that much into it when they made this. No, no. They were like, Hey, everybody loves Ewoks. Let's do this. Yes. I don't remember why I wrote this. Midget, midgets in bear costumes speaking in tongues. I guess that's my, the that whole movie. Ewok. I know that, but like, I guess it was comment of the night. <laughs> Probably. Little people in bear costumes? Is that what Angry they're and drunk. Do they go little people or, I don't know. You're little people, man. You don't call them midgets. It's, it's not that, I know it's about the Ewoks, but I, I don't know why I wrote I it that far fancy. down in my notes. That's like my last note. <laughs> They release the fairy to annoy the Gorax. So the fairies come back into play. The Gorax is defeated. I don't remember. And they, then... drop, they drop they drop a giant stalactite on his head. Oh yeah, the uh, with the magic um, stick, and uh, and then they uh, mace mace to to bring it all full circle. To the back to the whole axe throwing that they did earlier, he throws an axe into the back of the thing's head and it falls down a cliff and dies a horrible death. Oh, uh, yeah, it's probably deserved, but still a little brutal. For um, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> all right, that was the last Gorax of its kind that has made an, that has ruined an entire species. Yep, uh, this being Star Wars, I think we've revisited some of these characters and things in other formats, I think. I think they have, in one of the Battlefield levels with, like, Ewoks, which I don't have, in Battlefront, rather, I think there's a cave you can go into with, like, a bunch of spider webs or and a cage up in the air. Um, okay. It's one of the DLC packs, which that's why I don't remember it, because I didn't have it. But um, there was that. Uh, the the little girl, I guess, shows up later in a later movie, and she's like a, a reporter, like an intergalactic space reporter. What we'll to say, intergalactic April O'Neil, to kind of keep the Ninja Turtle comment going. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so the, I, I didn't really even write those down. Those are just the two I know of, but I'm sure that they revisit a lot of the stuff, and you're someday going to see like a playable Gorax character in a video game. Um, just because Star Wars people like that Star Wars history and love getting stuff into the normal current canon. So... I'm sure you will see and hear about the Gorax again, knowing that it started off in a very lame manner. 
Yeah, well, the the Ewoks also had their own cartoon briefly. Yeah. Titled Ewoks. Yep. And there's a sequel to this movie, apparently, right? There is. It's called The Battle for Endor. Which I have no doubt that Rob is going to force us to watch. Very possibly. It's going to suck. Very likely. Yeah. So, uh, is that the end of the movie? Do we have, do we, I see we have history here. Do you want to there's, do that? There's a little bit of history. Um, but a, a note on this was that there was somebody famous who actually auditioned for the role of the father, Jeremy Tawani. And who was that? Hold on, hold on, let's guess, Jimmy. Well, I already saw the notes. Oh, I'm just going to go with the Wilford Brimley. It was not Wilford Brimley. It was, in fact, Freddie himself, Robert England. That would have made him a lot better. The kid <laughs> rescues his father, and his father pulls out a glove and stabs the kid's face off. There you go. And he cheers. So what happened around this time in history, Greg, you should know this. Over 250 years after their deaths, on on November 28th in 1984, William Penn and his wife, Hannah Callowhill Penn, are made honorary citizens of the United States. Do you know who they are, Greg? I'm assuming the founders of Pennsylvania. They are. They are, in fact, the founders of Pennsylvania. Huge Steelers fans, those two. They weren't. I about that. They, they each were. had two sets of terrible towels. Yeah. Yeah, 250 years before the Steelers were even invented. So some of some of the other movies that came out around the around the same time as this a movie that i may i might make us watch in the future what's that and that's East Beverly Hills Cop that was released on November 20th and that was Supergirl god damn it with Helen Slater <sighs> yeah right i do love me some Helen Slater uh on November 30th was the release date of Beverly Hills Cop on the 21st you had Falling in Love the 20th was Zombie Island Massacre. 26th, Give My Regards to Broad Street. 25th, The Vegas Casino War. And the 20th was For Love or Money. You haven't seen any of those. As you were uh, doing that, I wanted, I wanted to look up the music. Ooh, really strong, t- strong music. Damn. God. 1984 was awesome for music. November 1984? Yep, November 1984, this exact week. Um, Penny Lover by Lionel Richie was 10. All Through the Night, Cindy Lauper 9. I'm just going to go to the good ones. Better Be Good to Me was number 7 by Tina Turner. Out of Touch, Daryl Hard, Hollow Notes, basically. Uh, I Just Called to Say I Love You, Stevie Wonder. I Feel for You, Shaka Khan, number 4. Caribbean Queen, hmm. Billy Ocean. Purple Rain, number 2, Prince. Ooh. And number 1, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Yeah, wham! That is a murderous, murderous row. Wham! Blue Jean, David Bowie was number 11. Damn. Hells, yeah. That was a good year to be listening to the radio. Or a good month to be listening to the radio. Nice. So I, think that's, I think that's going to take us into our question, though. It is. And our question this week, in honor of this movie being so difficult to find, I really did have a hard time finding it. Jimmy ended up finding it on, on YouTube, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, in honor of the movie being so difficult to find, what are your top five media that the owner slash creator don't want you to see? Yep. So things that are difficult to find because the, the owner 
hates it so much or i mean stuff that you can possibly find just because it was released without the owner's consent mm-hmm. i think would be or something that they just don't promote and they don't want yeah they want to disavow yeah they don't they don't really put anything behind it because they want you to forget that it existed yep jimmy yes what do you, you think i've got a jackie chan's first starring role what was that it was in a porno Oh, Jimmy's list, is, Jimmy's list is going to be fantastic. It's going to be like that. Jackie Chan, a young man uh, in desperate need of money, uh, was in a, a pornography film um, very early on. Now, I have not uh, tried to find it, but I hear it's pretty hard to find. My number four is going to be Disney's Song of the South. Hmm. We may hear a, a little bit more about that later. Uh, number three is Party at Kitty and Studs. A softcore pornography starring one Sylvester Stallone hmm. before the movie Rocky was released. Number two is going to be Caravan of Courage. <laughs> because you might think that that would be on Disney+. And I think if it came out on Disney+, Plus, it would be a big hit. I think it would too. Nobody would know that it was a thing, and it would have some kind of revival. curiosity. It, it would be, and it would. And it doesn't cost Disney anything to do it. No, it would bring a lot. I I think it would bring some people in at least. That and milkshake would, brings all the boys to the yard. That yeah, we've established that your milkshake does in fact bring all the boys to the yard. Uh, my number one. Is going to be the lost movie Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't want you to see. Uh, when we all thought a young Tobey Maguire was just that schoolboy with that schoolboy charm, a young Toby, uh, I'm sorry, young Leonardo DiCaprio as well. He started in a film called Don's Plum. It is a ad libbed mid 1990s. Indie filmed. It's been banned from ever being shown in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, it is um, a, a black and white style film following the story of a group of 20-something-year-old guys who gather every Saturday night at a Los Angeles diner. The film is uh, named for each with a new girl. And they are just as misogynistic and just nasty uh, as you could have ever wanted to see Tobey Maguire before he starred in Spider-Man. Others involved who uh, didn't go on to have quite successful careers, whose careers were ruined, friendships destroyed, divorce, and thoughts of suicide. Why is it and, banned? And part of it is that because DiCaprio and Maguire agreed to shoot it for a friend under the conditions that it would never be distributed. Ah, sure. Yeah. So there's a, there was a new thing called the internet firing up and uh, where things will be stored forever. So that's Mm -hmm. number number one is Don's plum. There's just, there's some, some lines from it that I don't want to read. Um, so yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into that sort of thing, you can look it up. You can find it. 
So there you go. That's my top five list. Now, because we do have a voicemail. I love voicemails. I love voicemails. And that is the first part of the voicemail that you heard inside a, if you listen to it, and that is from our patron of unusual size, Alec. Hello, this is Alec. My top five list for the week. Number five uh, is something called Alan Smithy. It's not a movie itself. It's a pseudonym that directors used when they did not like the results of the movie and basically they take their name off of it. So if you look at movies released from like the 60s through 2000, you're going to see certain movies are directed by Alan Smithy. Like there was a horror movie like in 1990 called The Guardian, I think they used it, or one of the Hellraiser movies. And then the last time it was used, well, he used a different name, but the movie Supernova was directed by Walter Hill, who directed 48 Hours and The Warriors. Well, uh, he did not like the results of the movie Supernova. He took his name off of it. So that's a, that's number five. Uh, number four would be anything George Clooney did pre-ER, except maybe a couple of, you know, like he was on Roseanne and Facts of Life, but he also did some pretty bad TV pilots, and he also was in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Number three is kind of a different one. There's a TV show called Happiest that was supposed to star Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he did film a pilot for this. I think it was with Showtime right before he died, and they've never released the pilot, I guess, because they're trying to recast the show at some point in time. But I think that'd be interesting to see. Uh, number two is hysterical. It's called the movie called Tiptoes, starring Matthew McConaughey, Kate Beckinsale, and Gary Oldman as a dwarf. Um, and Gary Oldman and Matthew McConaughey are brothers in this movie. I never heard of the movie. I just remember a friend showing me a trailer thinking it was a joke. And then sure enough, researching it. And it was not a joke. This movie did actually get released, like maybe on one theater. I don't think anybody involved puts it on their resume. That sounds amazing. Number one is a little different from the other ones. The other ones may be, oh, Happiest wasn't embarrassing, but the other ones were. Uh, this one is just more of a something I'd like to see that was talked about but never done. Quentin Tarantino directed, obviously, the Kill Bill movies and had to split them up because they were too long. He always um, mentioned that he was going to release like a DVD set called The Whole Bloody Affair. It's never happened, and I'm pretty sure he could do it if he wanted to. So that's my top five list for the week. And that is uh, Alex's top five list of the week. And um, I, you, Alec. Listening to the- I love when there's stuff that I've not heard of in these lists. Yeah, yeah me too. I want to see this Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey film. Uh, that made me uh, think of another one I'll, I'll give an honorable mention to. Well, it's honorable in the sense that Werner Herzog has vowed to never release it. He's probably already destroyed it by now, and that is the audio recording from the Death of the Grizzly Man, his documentary oh, of geez. the same name, um, is out there as well. You cannot find it because he is a man of his word. Uh, so probably destroyed. Probably. For, for good reason. Now I will go. I wanted to not just do movies and media like that. So I, I kind of researched individual things. So my honorable mentions, uh, uh, Stephen King, well, Richard Bachman, also known as Stephen King, uh, wrote a book called Rage, which was found in the lockers and possession of many of these school shooters because it is a book about school shootings that was written before they started being a epidemic. Um, so that's an honorable mention. Um, 
David Fincher really hates Alien 3 and has said as such. Uh, David Lynch really tried, tried to get his name off of Dune. Uh, Michael Myers with The Love Guru. That's another kind of big one. Uh, we've mm-hmm. kind of I've, we've talked about it far more than we should, but Private Resort, Johnny Depp, not a big fan yeah. of that movie. Uh, Halle Berry, Catwoman, those. Okay. My number five, the album Detox by Dr. Dre. It's been supposed to come out forever. Uh, instead, he decided to form Beats by Dre, and that took off. So Detox will never, he doesn't like the album anymore. It's probably very outdated at this point. So we will never hear it. Uh, number four, the day before this movie was supposed to come out, the director, Josh Trank, said, well, I had a really good idea for this movie, but then studio got involved and now it sucks, which is not really what you want to say when a movie is about to come out. And he pretty much disavowed it. And that is Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Was um, fantastic. Which was supposed to be a body horror film, but they instead changed everything up. And the Fantastic Four really didn't even become the Fantastic Four until the very end of the movie, which is kind of lame. Uh... A book that I actually had when it was one of the first things I ever downloaded from the internet. The Anarchist Cookbook by William Powell, mm-hmm. who who I did not realize the history of this the Anarchist Cookbook. I was always very intrigued that this thing that taught you how to make bombs and traps and poisons and all sorts of stuff was actually available. And I remember people having hard copies of it. And then when I saw it on the internet, I was like, let's see what this thing is all about. I felt like a terrible person as I downloaded it and read through it. But the person that wrote it actually went to the anarchist cookbook website and disavowed it right there and said, look, it was this, it was the late sixties. I was anti-government. I just, I was stuck in the Vietnam world and I hated everything and this no way this should be a thing. Hmm. Um, something far worse than the anarchist cookbook. Not really. Uh, metal magic. Jimmy, do you know what metal magic is? That is uh, one of the best album covers ever. <laughs> uh, that is Pantera. Pantera's 1983 uh, hair metal album. Yeah. Before they became the heaviest metal band ever. Ooh, Not really, but... The great they... Southern Trend Kill, man. Diamond yeah. Daryl. Oh, yeah. yeah so Next was, rocker. Pan- I think oh, man. Yeah. Pantera wanted to be the hardest, heaviest, most ferocious metal band ever, but they had a hair metal glam metal history that they could not escape once the internet <laughs> revealed it. Um, and, but my number one is literally every single movie that is based on an Alan Moore comic book. Because everything that he has ever written that became a comic book and that or that became a movie that's Watchmen, uh, V for Vendetta, and uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he has disavowed it completely. I'm not sure... I don't know if he hated it this much why he didn't just tell DC Comics when they were signing his contracts to not allow it to be sold for movie rights. He's a he's cuckoo. Like, he is so anti any other form of media f- with his writing that you would think, and he's a big name, he could he could have always told them what to do. He could have dictated the terms. Of he the could contract. have dictated the terms way early because it was far before movies were like these were in the mid 80s they were not making movies out of comic books like this and some i don't know yeah i don't understand why i didn't but he hates them all he's a curmudgeonly british dude that lives in like a 
castle or something. I picture him actually living in like Hagrid's hut. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. just vigorously like writing and like eating an entire like leg of mutton. Mm-hmm. And just with, with a big old sh- uh, wrinkly dog sitting next to him. Yep. Just like throwing his manuscripts out the window to DC people and they like make comics out of them. But when they're like, we make a movie. <laughs> but that's anything that Matthew or Matthew McConaughey, anything that uh, that he uh, wrote is uh, what I would say. Alan Moore. So Rob. All right. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and do mine. I do have an honorable mention on here and I'm it, it might sound weird. But I'm going to throw the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy, on here as an honorable mention. With the stipulation that it be the original release. Do you know how hard it is to find the original release or the the theatrical version, if you will? I I I would have an original release if I could find it. I looked it up. The original trilogy, theatrical release, the DVDs, the three-pack of DVDs is selling for $185. (laughs) Used. Because you can't get it anywhere. Um, My number five is going to be a movie called Cocksucker Blues. (laughs) It's... It's basically a backstage look at the Rolling Stones and they were very unhappy with how it turned out and sued to keep it from being distributed. At number four, I've got the Ewok movie for the reasons that we've already discussed. At number three, I've got The Road Back. It's an old movie. I believe it was 1937, I want to say. 1937, it's a movie centered around the the events after World War I. And the film basically was neutered to appease the Nazis. They, to quote-unquote cultivate the goodwill of Germany after the war. The original movie at this point is impossible to restore, so they can't get back what they what their inig- original view of this movie was going to be. They can't replace it. it. Parts have been lost. It can't be restored to its original form. So Universal is completely content at this point to just let it rot in the vault. Mm. So The Road Back is number three. Number two, I've got the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, yeah. I figured that would be on a list. George Lucas is quoted as saying, if I had the time and a sledgehammer. He actually tried to buy up all of the master copies of this of this TV movie so that no one could ever make copies and distribute it. <laughs> he hated it that much that he was like, this... This should never again see the light of day. <laughs> but my number one, probably the one of the most famous ones, even though I believe they've been told that it would be okay, is Song of the South. Yep. Disney has come out and said that Song of the South would never be released on video 
in the U.S. I believe it has been released on video overseas um, a, years and years ago, but it was never released on video in the U.S. And I believe at one point the NAACP actually came out and made a statement to Disney saying that if Disney decided that they had wanted to release it, they would not they would not oppose the releasing of this movie. Is this where the Br'er Rabbit and all that stuff came from? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. And and Disney has made the decision that, you know what, it it is not it is not appropriate. It's not appropriate in today's climate. And we don't. And this this has been their stance for the last, what, 50 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they they have stood by this. They have never released it in the U.S. and they intend to never release it in the U.S. So my number one is Song of the South. Nice. Well, those were our top five things that people don't want to see out there. So we are currently angering literally every single person that we mentioned for these lists. So yeah. if any of those people happen to be listening to this and are that angry, you can write to us at gimme5podcast at gmail.com to give us a stern talking to. You can, uh, and if you're really, really super angry and want a direct connection to us, you can become a patron. You can. And when you become a patron by joining our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash gimme5podcast, you support the show. You help all of this cool information get out there. Um, we'll even delete if you if you are Matthew McConaughey, we will delete the part where we talk about you. Yeah, go ahead and give us a call. Give us your money, and then now this call us. not to, now this is not you know some sort of ransom thing, but we you know we're 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 horse is what we're saying. Uh, yeah, I just want to yeah. talk to Matthew McConaughey. So yeah, true. From he'll be all on right, that. Right, he'll be right. like <laughs> he'll be in his Lincoln talking through like the Bluetooth. Uh, so anyway, our patrons, uh, they get a chance to chat with us and they get a chance to leave voicemails. They get a chance to, uh, have us answer questions about them. They can guide the show. Our higher level patrons get, of course, to the opportunity to curate a show. And we thank you all for supporting us. Uh, if you don't want to support us through Patreon, you can, of course, go ahead and, uh, you know, review the show. Go on your iTunes or your Spotify or your pod, whatever, and leave us a review. Subscribe to the show and uh, do all that fun stuff to support us. Your pod people app. Your pod pod people. people. If you're listening to it with your your pod people. If there are any pod people listening, I apologize for Greg. But I do want to thank you for listening. Okay, if there's any pod people listening. They can they can be part of the Patreon chat room because I really have some questions for the pod people. Regular people and pod people alike, good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Don't touch the water.